Hello, and welcome to season two of the podcast, Human Design with Livy. Each week, I sit down with incredible guests who candidly share about their journeys of growing their personal brands online. We dive into their own brand story, their expertise, and their human design. I've honestly learned so much from each guest, and I can't wait for everyone to enjoy this series too. Here's a snippet of what's to come. Success has nothing to do with how much money you're bringing in, and it has everything to do with the quality and depth of connections that you're making. And that actually, when you start to measure success by that parameter, every single day gets to be successful. And then naturally, the money and the profit and the impact will come in. And I think one of the best ways to make your offer irresistible is to speak to enough people that have the same problem, that you learn from hearing the same complaints and desires. Okay, that's what I have to create. A very, very important part of my brand is actually ease, which felt and feels still like a real challenge because it's having to undo this kind of impulse to keep on doing, not not working like an animal, but just actually really taking the time to be where I'm at. You can be expanded by somebody and not have to copy paste. There are strategies and structures, but like it, really has to come from within and it's so unique when it does hello and welcome back to the podcast this week's guest is liz mclaughlin she's a one three generator a sustainability consultant who supports heart-led founders with a more socially and environmentally conscious way of business through ethics good governance and client stewardship In the episode, we speak about how to market your services ethically as a coach or service provider, the shift away from pain point marketing in the industry, how to check your copy is ethical, six key areas of sustainability and ethical marketing to focus on in your business, things that need to change in the coaching industry, pricing transparency in business, and so much more. I loved chatting to Liz. This is a subject that I am also really passionate about, given how much I work in supporting clients with marketing. I can tell or you can tell that she is a typical 1-3 profile. 1-3s tend to have or seek a solid foundation before feeling secure in their work. They explore life through trial and error, um, offering wisdom of what works, what doesn't work, and they generally tend to be the kind of people that have all of the certificates. They've taken all of the qualifications in their work. And in Liz's case, she had worked in the corporate career for a long time, the corporate industry for a long time before shifting into uh, running her business. So I hope you enjoy the episode. I'd love to hear your thoughts, what you think. I think this is a really important area and a changing area in the coaching industry and one to pay attention to. So enjoy listening. So hi, Liz, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Libby, thank you for having me. (laughs) Oh, my pleasure. Do you want to introduce yourself to the guests, just sharing who you are, what you do and your human design? Yeah, of course. So let's start with human design. So I'm a one, three generator. So very much a go energy. And then in terms of what I do, I am a sustainability consultant for online conscious brands. So I work with heart-led founders to increase the sustainability of their business, both socially and environmentally, taking it beyond the money focus to look at what more can a business be. Amazing. 
And so I always ask my guests just to share three defining moments in building up their personal brand. Well, three moments for me. So one is definitely I started in the corporate world and I was in a very commercial focused role managing millions of pounds. And it was the awareness that sustainability wasn't being spoken about or included. It was simply being added on to decisions. And it was the awareness that people were saying that they wanted to do this, but the greenwashing was so there. And it was when COVID hit in 2020, I realized there was this whole other world of women that care, that want to make a difference and that I could take the knowledge that I have with the commercial and the sustainability and realize I can make more of an impact here than sitting in this role, just talking with people around and around. Amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's probably definitely my biggest one. Um, the next one would be my own personal sustainability journey. It was the realization of if you want to be the change, you actually have to make changes yourself. So I've been on a very long and I think never ending journey of sustainability personally, um, starting with how I live, the products I buy in my home, the food I eat, the, I guess, the shops that I shop at. And that has definitely been another defining moment of I felt better about myself when I started doing these things and realizing my individual actions made a difference um and then as for the third um it actually starts where I grew up so I am Australian and even though I don't sound it and growing up in Australia I was very connected to the bush and nature and it was the awareness that each summer that came around, the fires got worse and then the flooding starting to happen. And I had family who lost families who lost homes or fires that came around. And it was that awareness that the world is changing. And as my knowledge grew, it's that humans are causing that and that we need to do something about it. Like if we want to live sustainably, if I want to have Australia as a home to go back to, maybe one day that we all need to start living differently either individually or how we run our businesses amazing so what kind of um first sparked your interest in sustainability um did you study it or I mean, other than yeah realizing yeah yeah so uh the passion definitely came from growing up hiking bushwalks connected to nature but then i i definitely dove deep into the study i think that's the line one coming out so i have i think i have about seven posts including post-grad qualifications in sustainability. Yeah, I went, I went right in. <laughs> Typical line one, yeah. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and I'm also chartered with the, in, the International Environmental Management Agency. So it's showing that I've learned the knowledge and that I've also applied it in a way that I'm accredited to show that I can do this work. Amazing, yeah. So you went from kind of studying into a, a corporate role, but didn't feel as though what was going on in the corporate world was actually um gonna make a, a, a difference in terms yeah speak to us a little bit about greenwashing and yeah yeah to explain the concept a little bit to um the listeners of course so I was working with some multinationals some 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 fairly well-known industry companies in my in the industry that I was in and one of them was even the top in its area of winning awards is when as they were talking this talk and using it in their marketing material that we're being sustainable we're using green suppliers but when you go behind the scenes and look at it it wasn't there it was what is making us the money or it was subverting rules 
just to make clients happy rather than standing by the ethos of the that was being presented to the world so that that's the basis of greenwashing it's using a term but not standing behind it and having the integrity in what you're saying and to see it in such key players where I knew for a fact that money wasn't an issue or not to that extent um and it wasn't being done it was it was heartbreaking actually that's why it was probably such a defining moment of the realization of this is not where I'm going to make an impact this is not where I'm going to help the world change because they're not going to change <laughs> yeah that is that's sad you know I think that is um so were you sort of alone in the in those how did you manage that those feelings and those kind of conversations at work and um I'm guessing you weren't alone in 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 your thoughts and feelings and no absolutely not um the second company I was at I think when I resigned I think there was about eight of us that resigned within a space for about four months because they made a big decision and removed us from a commitment so eight of the sustainability team said we, we can't we can't honor this anymore so the conversations are happening and then anyone in my personal life is fully aware of how deep sustainability goes within me so <laughs> they know when they're seeing me that some chat is going to happen around sustainability so I've had a lot of support from friends and family who know how deeply I care <laughs> yeah so what do you think is stopping them from truly I guess embodying um the message that they're sharing about sustainability if it's not resources um or maybe it is I don't know um what what is actually stopping people from or organizations from actually standing behind and implementing it's the start with we live in a globalized society and it's essentially a yarn of wool and it's so interconnected and intertwined and I feel it is very difficult for one firm to always make a stand because they feel they will be penalized against other competitors the idea that sometimes sustainability can cost more or take additional time to move through a process or means you have to turn down jobs um and it was the awareness that the money that ingrained thing within most of us that go after the money, make the money, keep the money coming in, keep growing that infinite growth mentality. I think it's so ingrained that it's difficult for people to sometimes switch to a different way of operating. So how do I answer that? It's the two things of mindset and that it's all about the money. And the second one is even if they are such large, big businesses, it's almost like they didn't feel they could even make a difference or didn't want to give it a try fully. Yeah, that's a shame. It's a real shame. So the COVID came, the reset, the, um, uh, yeah, COVID was here. So you, yeah, you started to realize that there was a whole market of entrepreneurs who actually cared about, um, yeah, working sustainably. And um, how, talk to us a little bit about how that journey um, unfolded. Yeah, of course. Um I'm going to presume like probably a few people we probably found this world at the start of COVID a different way of it's got to be a different way to live our lives so it was wonderful to find that I think a friend I remember a friend introducing me and I was absolutely blown away and it's the awareness that most women start their businesses to make a positive difference that's the baseline of why they start it's like these are my people <laughs> absolutely um obviously we've seen a lot of change in the past few years but the view of everyone was still learning marketing and sales and just how to make money or how to grow a business that was when I entered in the realization of 
no one was speaking about sustainability. It's like you're all I know you're all here to make a difference because I can see that the services you offer you want to make a difference I'm like cool let's layer this <laughs> we can definitely do more with this now amazing so how did you start what was the kind of your entry point of um setting up the business because I think it's quite you know it's brave to move from corporate world where you've got secure income you know um well there's d- different benefits of 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 the corporate world um and challenges so what yeah what was the sort of starting point for you in 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 growing your brand beyond the people really care you know this is my ideal kind of client yeah oh wow where did I start um I guess the simplicity is it was the one-to-one services it was working with who has the resource because initially people do need some money if they want to look at financial giving back that's not all they need um and it was the visibility would definitely be the other big one just making that image getting my branding done connecting with people in the industry I guess that's it's the main thing understanding how to tie in people's business needs to how they know they can make a difference through their tangible actions it's one thing to say but to show them that they can actually do it and I can support them with it and just helping them to understand that through my messaging yeah so um in your one-to-one services um what sort of things do you support clients with what do you see that needs to change um in the industry when when I say the industry I'm sort of talking about the coaching industry really um including you know service providers and um yeah what what sort of themes do you support um clients with and what do you see that needs to change um overall in the industry because I know in your human design you've got the um the channel of correction so spotting what needs to be corrected you know on a collective level really um and this is about yeah what what really needs to be what you see that needs to be improved and you're the first person that you know with recognition and invitation can 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 see these things and, and share about these things so I'd love to yeah hear hear more about that of course, big question. Um, so I'll start with that. What do I think needs to change? The first one I'll say is that sustainability needs to be viewed as business strategy. The idea that people see them as different and that sustainability is an add-on in my mind is something that we would all benefit from if that was corrected. Um, so that then ties into what I help my clients with. And it's this view that sustainability is not simply donating a certain percentage of your money to one charity once a year and saying cool my sustainability is covered it's it's integrated throughout the entirety of how you operate your business so six key areas I work with in clients is let's start with client stewardship probably don't think that would be sustainability but that ties into the social aspect of how are you treating the person opposite you and how is that a microcosm of the entirety of the whole that we sit in as collective the idea of are you respecting them are you acting with integrity are you being fair in the prices that you're charging them how you're engaging with them um are you asking for their feedback how are you improving your product as you go along not just offering a product um another big one is satisfaction um is it's great that people are now starting to advertise benefits of their services beyond making money that's one thing i would love to see change in the industry um but it's the view of people starting to say, cool, I've impacted this many people. That's great. Can, can you say that you've positively impacted them? 
Like no one's actually tracking how satisfied are my clients, which then ties into how are you improving? So that's one aspect. Another one is governance. Um, again, people, I'm sure they're setting the 2024 goals. The view of cool, how much revenue do I want to make in 2024? Great. Add on to that. <laughs> how much of your revenue do you want to donate? How many discounted services do you want to give back? What, um, what indicator do you want to give a preference to in your supply chain? Do you want to work with female-owned businesses? Do you want to work with BIPOC backgrounds? Start looking at different KPIs in your business. There's more to life than just money. <laughs> and then we move into environmental aspect. Like, are you climate neutral? Great. We see floods. We see the fires going on around the world. We see the environmental destruction. Your business, even if it's online service-based, it's potentially a very small impact, but it's still contributing. So look at what's the environmental impact of your website. Can you offset? Like, do you know what the what the climate impact of your business is. That's what I help clients with. There's calculators, this can all be worked out offset and neutralized, which is brilliant. Um, and then the other ones quickly go through is, so naturally there's the giving back. Again, more than financial, like looking at discounted services, pro bono work, advocacy, there's such a big range in that space. I know that's probably quite prevalent for people at the moment, um, given the crisis is probably going on currently. So that view of advocacy can tie into it. Financial donations can give into it if that's what you want to do. Um, then, I'm trying to think what the final one is. Oh, the ethics, the big one. How could I forget it? Um, so in terms of the ethical side, we're looking at how do you price your services? How do you market them? How do you engage with your customers? And that will tie into your question of what's one thing I'd love to see change. And it's that we all treat each other with respect and integrity and we act in ethical ways. There's one thing to make money, but there's one thing to make money in a way that you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I honor who I am. And I respect how I've made this money and I wanna do good with it. We don't all just, yeah, it's the view of we can market in different ways just because someone's told us how to do something in a training course or we've seen it mirrored before we get to decide if that's what we want to be a part of. We get to decide if that's the industry that we want to live in. And if we don't, we get to change that. Amazing. Yeah. So on ethics, um, yeah, pricing, marketing, do you want to take us through some, yeah, more specific examples that we see in the coaching industry? Um, yeah. Around pricing transparency um, and, yeah, how, how you market your service um, in an ethical or more ethical ways. Um, something that kind of comes to mind is that, you know, when you're, when you're, this is all still possible. It's possible to do, like you were saying at the beginning, you know, it's not about just adding on sustainability to your strategy. It has to be a part of it. And I think at the beginning, it's hard when you are, um, well, it's not hard, it's just, I think if your focus is on, okay, how do I make money to, you know, meet my needs and then, you know, grow the business sort of from there? Because I know personally, it wasn't something that I thought about until I was kind of at a certain income level. Um, you know, I didn't have the knowledge or the, the awareness really. And I think also the, the, the most obvious thing to me was the, the kind of the discounting and, um, 
yet without realizing until I you know met you that there are so many different ways that you can kind of contribute give back and um yeah kind of consider holistically the impact of 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 your brand and um yeah I'd love to hear hear more on the kind of on the ethics side because I think you more and more I do see people questioning lots of my clients come to me saying you know I was taught to market in this way it doesn't really feel good to me um and you might know in my design I've got the channel of sales and um channel of entrepreneur which is about finding new and improved ways of doing something in particular sharing your message and you know transmitting it to the tribe and what the tribe actually really need um and it kind of you know sometimes the way it's described is moving away from that old sort of car salesman type energy um you know which is a, a lower vibration into a higher vibration which is you know really caring about what the person needs and and um and marketing you know in, you know in 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 a, in, a, in an improved way so um yeah i'd love to hear hear more about that yeah i love that i love how you said improved way so, yeah that's what we're aiming for so Let's start with um, when you come to ethics, I view it that you have a set of key sort of principles that you want to work around and that everything you do in your business, you feed through them. This idea of are you acting with integrity? Are you being honest? Are you being transparent? Are you being respectful? So I sit with them. Then in terms of practices, let's go to specifics. So a one we're probably all familiar with is someone wants to launch a program and they launch a masterclass to then sell off the back of it. That's great. There is nothing inherently wrong with that. It's just how it's gone about. So first one is if you're familiar with the industry, you probably know if you're going to someone's masterclass, they're about to sell you a program. But say you're new, you wouldn't know that. You're rocking up to a masterclass, you're listening, and then you're then potentially being pressured, maybe not depending how it's going, into purchasing something higher level. The ethical issue with that is called bait and switch, the idea that you're dangling someone and then trying to switch someone at the end. An easy option for people is literally just say in your marketing material, I'm going to share this value. And at the end, I'm just going to share about ways you can work with me. It's tying into that. You're being transparent, you're being honest, and you're acting with integrity. So it covers it. So that's quite a, a simple one. Um, in terms of pricing transparency, um, I'd be curious how many people have gone to look for the coach they want to work with. It's prices, and they're not to be found anywhere. And they just keep clicking through stories, hoping to be able to find them one day. And it's the idea that if we want an improved industry, why is it so difficult for us to realize that just putting our prices online is not the end of the world? Do that people should be able to find them without needing to contact you. It's that tying into that fairness, honesty, transparency. It also ties into the ethical issue of pricing discrimination. How does a client know that the price that you're giving them is the same as everybody else? If you're not advertising that, then they could be assuming that you're charging them a higher rate because they think they can get more money out of you. So that's the ethical issue with pricing transparency. What do you think, just to interrupt you there, what do you think is rooted in the reason why people don't? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm presuming it starts with it's what's being mirrored. Um, and then I'm also curious if potentially underneath there's a bit of shame or something else behind it for some people. That's not for everyone. Maybe if they, they don't feel worthy of the price they're charging. Um, other people maybe want to be seen as a boutique brand, like across the globe, any product you want to buy, you can find the you can find the price for, except for maybe some luxury goods 
which I know that that's been a prevalent in message in the industry of be a luxury brand. So multifaceted don't have the answer, but it'd be very interesting to hear why people don't. If you, if you set your price ethically, you're charging a fair and reasonable price for the service you offer and you believe in your transformation, stand behind your price, uplift your marketing. You've got this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it sounds so simple doesn't it but I think yeah because of the way that it's been because I, I think generally what tends to happen when you're a kind of a lot of my clients like spiritual practitioners or um, healers or you know coaches and they care so deeply about their work and they're really gifted at their work you know um, and then it comes to running the business and they realize that there's this whole other skill of like marketing, selling and everything else that comes with that, that can be really challenging for people. Um, and, you know, um, it's, yeah, I, I think it's, it's you, you like you say, because you don't have the skills, you then go and learn from people who are offering services to support you in that. But without the foundations of I guess what I'm trying to say is lots of people get into business through following their passion without necessarily having the background of marketing, you know, um, of business kind of awareness and acumen and, and knowing how to market in a way that um, sells. Um, and some of those practices, I assume, have been inherited from because the coaching industry is a fairly, if we think about it in terms of um like length is a fairly new industry you know over the maybe the last I don't know five to ten years or so right um and so I assume what's happened is that a lot of the practices from other industries have just been inherited here like marketing experts you know from whether it's I don't know you know the um like luxury goods or whatever industry it is right that the, the way that we've learned to market ourselves has, has come from the outs outside of the industry um who experts that have worked in in different fields and um yeah I think with that maybe we've missed the opportunity to really question um especially you know when people are in a state of I need to make money what do I do to make money um it, it feels like you know ethics transparency um sustainability a, 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 an afterthought um so yeah I can kind of see how how it may have um evolved um and also the importance of bringing it to to the forefront um and it's hard to know you know when you're junior like how do I price my services like what you know what do you do beyond looking at people who are already sort of successful in your industry I think at some point your moral compass kind of you know falls into place and starts to question hmm is this right is this not um uh, but that you know can can take time um and yeah it's I think it's, it's easy for people to kind of blindly copy what they're you know what they're being told works to make sales um and so yeah starting to shift um especially from you know some of the things I see is like inflated claims around you see people literally promising the world you know or like on a silver plate <laughs> like heaven, heaven heaven on earth and I think sometimes you know what happens is that some people really are connected with the practitioner they really align with their values they understand what they're saying and they can implement it you know um efficiently and and well and and get good results and then for others there's a you know whole host of other reasons why 
you know, what they're teaching might not necessarily work. You know, I, I, I've, you hear people talk about, you know, getting amazing results for clients, but equally, um, sometimes it's just not the right timing for the person it's you know the strategy can be there but if i don't know there's a, a personal growth element that's kind of holding us back we don't necessarily get the results um let's say i know i've experienced this myself it's like you can have all of the strategy but if, if there's something personally that isn't kind of connecting um because having a personal brand is is really a personal experience and it kind of highlights all of your shadows and um it can be very confronting um and so you can kind of see why people I guess do put their you know the testimonials of people kind of succeeding um in their work or having got great results even if it doesn't you know apply to the whole um <clears throat> but I also see the value in you know in in the sharing you know this program will work for you if you are and then you know really giving kind of more specifics on on who who you're supporting and what sorts of person would benefit from this um yeah yeah completely and the idea where you said of like offering exactly what you're offer not over inflating it like it's okay to just offer one thing and do it well <laughs> not promise everything yeah because you see so many bonuses being added and so many you know all of this like making it this really kind of colorful offering when actually the simplest of things can done well can create transformation for people so um yeah it doesn't have to be so elaborate um doesn't have to promise the world um and yeah let's talk about pain point marketing because I know there's been a big shift in the industry from that being a focus and you even still see it now I literally came across somebody else's Instagram the other day with like um when astrology kind of marketing type coach business coach who was talking about you know one connect with their pain as you know the process to um to market to them right um and and i think i think there's a difference between really um between you know digging into pain and actually connecting with where they're at um because i do think that there is a problem with just uh, focusing on their um or desires and then that leading to inflated kind of claims about what they um so I think I think there's a, a balance to be had of meeting the person really where they are at without digging into the pain and empowering you know the behavior that you want to see in them um and actually not just over that that's enough you know without having to over promise and focus on you know all of their desires um to get them to buy yeah completely gosh completely it is such a big topic as well and it is wonderful to see the change starting to happen with so many people now. But you are right, there is a fine balance between targeting someone and sticking a knife in them and then also saying, I'll save you and that savior complex as well. So that, that fine balance in between. Um, let's start by saying that targeting someone's emotions to make a sale is unethical. I think everybody knows that. Let's make that clear. It's that thing of um, placing the person before the sale. And that statement applies both sides. Yeah. So do you want to give us an example of that, of what you've kind of seen is not ethical versus eth ethical? Yes, of course. So, ooh. so unethical behavior in terms of not placing the person before the sale. It could be that you've promised someone that you will 
guarantee that you'll work with them. I've seen this happen actually. So, so someone's promised that they will guarantee someone that'll work with them until they make their money back. And then when the 12 month contract ended, they didn't honor that commitment and that person was left out of pocket substantially. The idea of one of that's completely unethical. You've promised something to a client, they've trusted you, you haven't put it in writing and then you've not honored it and now they're in financial hardship. So that's probably a personal unethical one. Then in terms of promising the world, you can have great sales copy on your Instagram and on your website and say it. If you work with me, if you do this program, you'll learn this and you'll learn this and you'll learn this. And it's great <laughs> that, that you can probably provide that. But if you're playing into a person's desires that they know they want to be successful like you because they're seeing themselves in the language that you're writing, they know that you've achieved it and they want to do that. But maybe they're not at that level that at that level yet. And the idea that you've you've almost essentially coerced them into your program, for one of a better word through playing on their desires as much as instead of playing on their fears. So there is that fine balance of, as you said, stating very clearly of if you're at this point in your business or you want to learn this specific skill, then this program I have will offer you this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, generally when you work, you know, I've had experience of working with copywriters, you kind of see the formulas that they use to be able to create great copy um even some of them like the leading copywriters in in the coaching industry um sharing practices that just don't kind of sit right um it has to change from the top well I mean it changed from I think there has to be an emphasis on it changing from the top down when so many people are mirroring and kind of learning from you know leaders and experts in the field um as well as having our own personal responsibility to um work on these things and just having a strong moral compass um you know if 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 the finances weren't an issue like how would you sell the product i think is a good way to kind of think think about it um so what do we do to kind of you know what what how does it change because I can kind of see in the sense of, you know, even in the corporate industry, you could see right from the top, it wasn't working, right? So how do you correct that? Like, how do we correct that from the the, the, the top down? Yeah, that's a good question. So me in this industry, I always start with, start with yourself, um, start with your business. If you are the CEO, the founder, the leader of your brand, then you have the opportunity to stand for something different and market in a different way. I have clients who are doing that and it's remarkable to see they've said it's simplified their business because they just know where they stand. Their price is their price, how they market it. It's, it's just different. They don't feel bad or salesy or sleazy. Um, the next one is then talking with everybody around you. It's sharing that you want to do it differently. And that's where the collective movement comes from. I think there's a term where it's like, it's 6% of a population needed to tip into a revolution. They do that if it's six of us, 6% of this industry start saying we stand for something better and we don't drop standards, we hold them, it will tip, that time will happen. And then in terms of coming from the top, it's that look in the mirror, the people who are at the top in inverted commas, because we pay for their services. So it's the reflection of are the services they're offering what I really need? Is this a brand that I want to support? And if you don't honor any part of their process, then don't invest in them. I get that might mean you have to look harder for a different provider, 
that it will be better for everybody in the long run if you do. So that's how I think it makes a message up to all brands globally that if you don't believe in what they sell, don't buy from them. Yes. It's practicing discernment, isn't it? Of kind of trusting yeah. that feeling, that intuitive feeling that despite what the, you know, I think in most cases, like sometimes the financial promise is, um, like is, well, yeah, what do you intuitively feel when you're coming to this person? Because I think a lot of, I often say, you know, we invest in coaches a lot of the time over coaching um, yes. in the sense that, you know, we're drawn to the person, we're drawn to their values, we're drawn to the way that they show up um, and speak about their services. And but sometimes, you know, if there's, if you're buying into a lifestyle that they have, um, then that can be, I think that can be, you're smiling. Yeah, go on, tell, tell me why. Yeah, I was going to say, like, just dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, red flag. Yeah, literally, I was telling you, it's that whole idea of um stewardship, like I've spoken about client stewardship, but take it more broadly, stewardship, like if you're, if, if you're in a capacity where you're earning a reasonable amount of money, how are you stewarding that <laughs> back out to the world to create bigger positive ripples? It's that view of investing in someone is also investing in that lifestyle, choosing someone is if they're flying around the world contributing to climate change, you're being, you're almost inadvertently being a part of that. <laughs> so yeah everyone I yeah I have to respect everyone has the right to live the way they want to but just also understand that the way we're currently living on the earth we can't continue to do that forever so there needs to be some balance yeah yeah definitely definitely so um a practical question if somebody's written their copy they've written their sales page what's the best thing to kind of do you know in terms of um, aside from obviously your own discernment and moral compass but you know how 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 would you support a client in kind of cross or just you know checking it and seeing is this correct and how could I do better and how could it be improved to be able to um yeah that makes sense so um we'd run it through some key questions so one would be just a sense check of have we attempted to target any pain points and if not, we would we would try and reframe that to a way to make it more neutral. Um, another one would be if they are promoting something, it would just making sure that we're providing the information in the caption, or we're saying where the client can go to find the information. So if we're advertising services, saying you can find my services guide through the link in my bio. Um, and another one is it's the hook thing. This one. As I say with ethics, some things are black and white, some are a sliding scale. A hook can be a sliding scale. Um, some people like to write very uh, particular ones because obviously that's going to draw them in to read the rest of the caption. Um, but it's just a sense check of is it is it a bit too abrupt or is it a pain point caption or is and just making sure that's actually related to what's in the text below. So they're probably the main three things obviously each post is nuanced depending what the purpose of it is if you're sharing a personal story to build connection versus sharing a client result that I guess yeah client result making sure it's it's factual yeah and I think that you know another one that I've seen is people sharing results from programs uh sorry from clients of different programs in a you know in a set like kind of bulking it to together of just these are the sort of testimonials um versus you know for yeah just different but it's not clear the distinction between you know if you've got lots and lots of programs um 
yeah what sort of services yeah making sure that the testimonial connects to the program you are you're advertising yeah completely that blows my mind that someone <laughs> but yes <laughs> yeah you see all sorts of things yeah amazing okay so um top just to finish sort of top tips for coaches healers practitioners um in our industry and sort of centering ethics sustainability um and yeah conscious conscious marketing what would you what would you what three tips would you give them oh three tips (laughs) um uh the first thing is i would say start with one area don't try to do everything in one go um yeah see when there is a lot here I'm personally doing it in my own business there is a lot <laughs> so just take it one step at a time it's okay we're all changing together um in terms of conscious marketing what would I say um I'd start with without potentially revolutionizing your entire business just look at how are you currently marketing and just start tweaking things so if you think you're over promising tone it down a bit if you're targeting pain points just change that messaging and just review that across what you're currently doing so across your website across your copy um your services guides etc um oh, i'm trying to think that one it's so hard to only pick three <laughs> um oh that would be the next one make your prices transparent yeah that would that would create industry change we'd all know where we stood um you'd be surprised who may invest in you or may not a sales call doesn't need to be to share your price it's to actually discuss if the service is right for the client when they know where they stand yeah amazing thank you so much that's been yeah really really helpful and I hope it kind of um yeah sparks more conversations about um bringing sustainability and ethical marketing and um into your business as as a priority and as part of the strategy as you say not just an an afterthought yes completely thank you so much for having me Libby (laughs) brilliant to chat a pleasure